The snowdrop. The humble snowdrop, this much loved flower, is discussed here by Susan Burge from the Medicinal Plant Garden of the Royal College of Physicians, London. Snowdrops are bulbous perennials in the Amaryllidaceae family. It was Carl Linnaeus, the Swedish botanist, who named the snowdrop Galanthus navalis, which means milk flower of the snow. Snowdrops are native to Central and Southern Europe and to Western Asia, but they are not a native British plant. We know that snowdrops were being cultivated in gardens in Britain in the 1500s, and wild snowdrops were first recorded here in the 1770s. The spectacular drifts of snowdrops found in our woodlands must have originated from garden escapes. The simple white bell-shaped flowers emerge in the midst of winter. Green shoots push their way up through frozen ground and snow to herald the arrival of spring. Snowdrops may look delicate, but they are resilient plants withstanding freezing temperatures. The flower stems lie horizontal in a hard frost, but promptly resume their erect posture when the frost thaws. The colder the weather, the longer the flowers last. A typical snowdrop has two linear bluish-green leaves and a single, small, white, nodding, bell-shaped flower with six petals. Strictly speaking, they are called tepals. The petals are arranged in two circles. The smaller inner petals usually have green markings. There are at least 20 distinct species of snowdrop, but over 2,500 garden hybrids, distinguished by features such as the time of flowering, height of the plant, shape and arrangement of the petals, and the patterns of green or sometimes even yellow markings on the petals. Snowdrop enthusiasts, galanthophiles, travel far and wide to visit snowdrop collections, discuss the niceties of snowdrops with fellow enthusiasts, and spend not inconsiderable sums on the latest fancy hybrid. Just think, snowdrops could be flowering in your garden from late September until April. Are you hooked? Snowdrops, the fair maids of February, feature in many myths, legends and superstitions. The flowers are associated with purity, innocence and renewal. Christian folklore tells us that an angel taking pity on weeping Eve, who had been cast out of the Garden of Eden, transformed the glittering snowflakes into snowdrops, the derivation of yet another name, Eve's Comforter. According to Greek legend, Persephone brought snowdrops back with her when she returned from the underworld, so they were sometimes regarded as unlucky. Indeed, Victorians believed snowdrops must never be brought into the house, for that would bring ill fortune or even death. But in the language of flowers, the snowdrop symbolises hope. Snowdrops, particularly the bulbs, contain a toxic chemical or alkaloid called galanthamine. The pharmaceutical name is galantamine. 
For the plant, galanthamine is protective, deterring attack by hungry animals. Gardeners are delighted that deer do not eat snowdrops. Curious dogs are susceptible to snowdrop poisoning after eating bulbs. They may develop abdominal pain, diarrhoea, drooling, vomiting, muscle spasms or convulsions. But like other alkaloids, galanthamine has potentially useful actions in humans if it is taken at the right dose. Too much is definitely not good for you. The possible medicinal value of snowdrops was noted by a Russian pharmacologist, Mikhail Mashkovsky, who observed villagers in the Ural Mountains rubbing ground-up snowdrop flowers into their skin to relieve pain. Snowdrop medicines were also being used in Eastern European countries as a treatment for polio. In 1951, Mashkovsky and Kruglakova Livov published work that showed for the first time that a compound in snowdrops, galanthamine, prevented the breakdown of acetylcholine by inhibiting the enzyme cholinesterase. Acetylcholine is an important neurotransmitter. It is released from nerve cells, enabling nerves to communicate with each other, so-called cholinergic neurotransmission. Cholinergic neurotransmission plays an important role in learning and in forming new memories. In Alzheimer's disease, the commonest form of dementia affecting older people, there are abnormalities of cholinergic neurotransmission and the dying nerve cells release less acetylcholine than normal. Galanthamine improves cholinergic neurotransmission by delaying the breakdown of acetylcholine and is licensed for use in mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. Patients may improve a little, but benefits are not large. Galanthamine has to be prescribed as galantamine by a doctor and is taken by mouth either in tablets or as a liquid medicine. Homer, writing in the 8th or 7th century BCE, may have provided the earliest description of the medicinal use of galanthamine in the Greek epic poem The Odyssey. Homer describes how Odysseus and his crew visit the island of the sorcerer Circe. Circe laid out a delicious feast for the starving, exhausted crew, but she had poisoned the food. Homer tells us that the crew forgot who they were and were transformed into swine. Were they actually transformed, or did they just think they were transformed? Circe's potion may have contained a plant in the deadly nightshade family. These plants have high levels of anticholinergic alkaloids that block the action of acetylcholine. The result is amnesia, vivid hallucinations and bizarre behaviour. The unfortunate victim might indeed believe he had become a swine. Odysseus did not suffer the same fate and was able to rescue his crew because the god Hermes had given him a herb, molly, that had a flower like milk to protect him from Circe's magic. What was Molly? No one is sure, but scholars suggest it could well have been a snowdrop. 
Galanthamine might have protected Odysseus from the effects of Circe's anticholinergic potion by increasing the levels of acetylcholine in his brain. It is a good story. The Royal College of Physicians of London and its garden, displaying almost 1,100 plants from the history and development of medicine, lie in the southeast corner of Regent's Park. During the period of social restrictions, the college is closed, so the normal programme of public open days and guided tours in the garden have been cancelled. But as a public space, the garden is open to visitors on their own or accompanied by one other person. Variations on this rule apply to children and carers and can be found on the government website. We hope our garden tours can soon be restarted and then details will be announced on the main college website at www.rcplondon.ac.uk. Detailed information about the plants in the garden, including a searchable database about their histories, properties and uses, is available at garden.rcplondon.ac.uk, where you will also find links to more information about the garden in podcasts, videos, publications, Instagram posts and the programme of annual lectures. The series of podcasts about the garden and many of its plants is available at rcpgarden.buzzsprout, that is B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T, dot com.